Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Space Game Junkie Podcast. As always, I'm your co-host, Brian. Joining me, as always, is your co-host, Jim. Oh, God. Did we lose Jim? Oh, God, did we lose Jim? Oh, no. Jim was muted. <sighs> Sorry. We have had... Ladies and gentlemen, this show brought to you by the letter E and the number three... And the hype train. Oh, I'm sorry. A little, du- little dubstep leaked out of me there. I'm all hype on the E3. Not really. Doesn't E3 start actually tomorrow? Uh, no, it started, started. Dude, this shit started like six months ago. Well, no, I mean, they had the conference. They had those <laughs> they, announcement conferences, but what about the show itself? Doesn't that start tomorrow? Yeah, yeah I it think so. Today. I, I start tomorrow. I don't know what, I, well, traditionally it's Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I believe. I thought it was Wednesday. It's one of those things. It's like Wednesday, Thursday, Wednesday, Friday, Thursday. something they, like that. They changed this. Yeah. I mean, the, the rules change. It's mutable. They, since they got rid of the god lot, I just don't care. <laughs> you've been bitter, yeah, it's, it's, even it's, bitter it's for 15 like, years. Bitter for 15. E3 has become the Super Bowl of gaming, right? Where you, people are really going because they want to watch the commercials and they really don't give two cents about the game that much anymore. But they, air all, they, but, they, but they air all the cool commercials before the actual Super Bowl, so it's just like, what's the point of the Super Bowl? And your co-host Hunter, ladies and gentlemen. Sorry! Hi, I'm no, on a soapbox okay. already. Okay. What's up, everybody? No, Here I am. No, it's, it's the proof of... Whoa! Out of the box already. Wow. Whoa! Slow down. Slow down. I got a fever Slow for more E3. Calm down, you might fall off. Um... <laughs> That's right. I know you better get busy hyping or uh, get busy dying. The, 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 the E3 is irrelevant shows by the fact that even though there are three consoles coming out ne- early next year, none of them are being shown at the show. None of them. Wait, wait, oh, oh. No, they showed the Microsoft Slim. Well, no, it's not actually at the show, though. They kind of mentioned oh. it, but it's not there. They were like, they were like, they learned it from Apple. It's white, and it's and it holds 5,000 well, games, and it fits in your pocket. And also, they can they can <laughs> fool people into buying new hardware every year or two. Um, but they don't want people to stop buying the hardware they have for sale now. Um, but folks, we have guests this week. Sorry, guys. We have guests this week. Where are you guys calling from? I don't remember. Uh, it's called Maple Ridge. It's very close to Vancouver in Canada. Everyone knows Vancouver, so just think Vancouver. That's where all my, that's where all my favorite shows are recorded. Supernatural, <laughs> The Flash, Arrow, Battlestar Galactica. It, I was going to say, didn't, oh, your favorite shows? Shut up, Brian. Those are my favorite shows. <laughs> That's you hated Battlestar Galactica. Shut up. No, I hated it after the beginning of season three. Uh, up to the after season three, episode four, I loved it. After you know, after New Caprica, you know, after New Caprica, it can go fuck itself. One thing, <laughs> one thing that I realized that watching Stargate SG One has taught me is that a lot of alien planets look like Canada. They really do. Either that, or they look like <laughs> Vasquez Rocks right outside of Los Angeles. That's what a lot of planets or a quarry. Right in uh, Sun Valley. A lot of D Space Nine was filmed in a quarry in Sun Valley when they did location shoots just north of L.A. So, yeah, a lot of alien planets also look like the shithole of Los Angeles. But we have, uh, folks, from MinMax Games, we have Andrew Hume and Richard Cliff from uh, the Space Pirates and Zombies games. Hi, guys. Welcome back. Thank you for having us back. Oh, thanks. Well, it's been a long, I think it was three years you came back. Uh, we've, it's, it's gotta be close to five actually. 
Well, we yeah, we've been yeah. out of this for a it's, while. It's crazy. Well, but, no, we weren't uh, doing this show five years ago. That's the thing. Spaz, yeah, like four came out. 2011, 11. August 15th. Yes, yes, the, the day that Space Game Junkie launched. That was yeah. the day. So it's been that long. <laughs> yeah. Right, but the last somewhere around. Yeah. yeah but the last. Might have a podcast after that. I don't know. But you yeah. guys are still selling it though, right? Yeah. Like the sales still there. Like I would have thought one. everybody. Yeah, I would have thought everybody has to have this by now. They trickle in, yeah, yeah. They, yeah. they, it's, it's got enough critical mass that they kind of trickle along. It's not enough to live on, but it's interesting. I mean, there's always maybe every day, I would say fifty people playing, always. So that's, that's, that's pretty cool. For yeah. for a game that that that, so let's let's admit that's a fairly old game in terms of the age of computer games, and for fifty people to still be playing that every day, that ain't nothing. <laughs> Yeah, that's so 10 minutes ago. I know, I know. <laughs> Folks, by the way, if we sound a little different, while we've been using Mumble for the last several months, we were forced to use Skype tonight, and so Sorry I... Sorry about that. No, it's not your fault, so I'm hoping that the recording program we're using sticks with us. My microphone is actually a potato on a stick. It's true. <laughs> is that the same potato you use to play Skyrim? Yes. It's true, all of it. It's my Skyrim potato. I'm on a mouse and potato. Folks, if you weren't aware that someone actually made a game controller with a potato to play Skyrim with. I'm not even, yes. I'm not even making this up. You can Google it. It's real. I don't think he did very well. Uh, probably not. I'm, I'm a member of the PC vegan race. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, we're here to talk about... We, I mean, I, we talk, I talked to you guys about, a, was it a month ago or so, and we did that two-plus-hour stream of the game. Which yeah, I was gonna say it was like they were just on the show. Kind oh of no, sorta. wait, that was a sort. That was like a Sunday thing. We launched yeah. yeah four weeks ago today, so this is sort of our mo- one month, whatever a month anniversary is called. A, yeah. a month anniversary, and you guys it's have, our month anniversary. And yeah. you guys have not been just sitting around <laughs> with your thumbs up your butts. You've been updating this game regularly since it hit early access. Yeah, yeah you guys it's got been pretty busy. Have you guys gotten any death threats yet? About uh, thankfully not. Oh. No. <laughs> not any ideas. <laughs> yeah. I, I just no, just the whole the whole no man's sky deal, right? <laughs> where, where like Sean's like, yeah, I gotta delay this thing because he was saying that um, every time that he would adjust something because it's all everything is so procedural. He would, he just moves one thing and then it takes him like two months to smooth out. Well, yeah, it looks like it's got a billion moving parts. So you move one little yeah. part somewhere and a million other things need to be moved. Right. So something demanded adjustment and then it was just like, well, we can't. And, and it was funny because I'm reading the forums and the people that would normally be wanting your head on a platter because you shipped a game with a bug in it are the same people that are like, oh my god, just give it to us now, fix it later. <laughs> you know, and it was like, hey, wait a minute. You're the yeah, same guy. A, there's a lot of Jenga um, when you have a emergent game <clears throat> to deal with. That's what we tend to call it. So that's a really make... good way to put it. I like that. That's a really yeah, good way to put it. How much, how much Jenga is going on here? This looks like a lot of Jenga. Yeah. <laughs> so... This is by far the most complicated game we've ever worked on. And, um, it's, and it's gorgeous, versions. by the way. Oh, thank you. Well, it's I, it right. could be, it could be maybe more colorful. <laughs> what? Are you serious? No. <laughs> yeah, there, there, there aren't enough, there aren't enough colors, you guys. This there game, aren't enough. this game looks like Tron. 
I'm pretty sure I invented a couple of colors. (laughs) Yeah, this is this is like neon space. I love it because it's definitely not subtle. That's for sure. And uh, it's hey, I I grew up on Tron, right? So I'm loving that, and it it kind of I like the neon. So, anyways, um, yeah, I've been running around just kind of exploring the map, and then I realized it was trying to tutorialize me, and it was like, oh yeah, I should I should hire two. Space yachts and then do that tutorial. So I've like explored the entire map, but I haven't actually progressed. <laughs> so how how far along do you have to be before you actually come into ownership of one of these bases? Uh, yeah. Level twelve, which it's it's kind of strange because for some people that's very quickly happening, and for some people it takes a long time, and that's kind of one of the it's a weird issue with our game because. We try and give you lots of options, but we don't force you to do any of them. And some people don't find the better option, so they'll they'll do the, the not so good option for a long time. Yeah. And, and it, we we're really trying. We're really struggling with teaching, you know, the player that what you're really supposed to do when you play the game is is like you'll you'll do pretty much everything we want you to do like once or twice, and then not do it again because there's so much more later. So early on, yeah, like go kill a bandit, go do a raid, go do a couple of arena events. Then you're supposed to say, okay, now I should go help a few captains in fights. Now I should go do a fight myself. Now I should go defend a starbase. Now I should go join a faction. Now I should go start a faction. Now I should go fight some zombies. Like it, it kind of is supposed to move that way, but in some cases that we haven't made that clear enough that there are things that you kind of need to slough off as the game, yeah. like you're getting bigger and bigger. Well, I, I could see the tendency for a user who's used to, like, oh, to, like, somebody that's played maybe too much Elite Dangerous. I'm, I'll just put that out there. Uh, where, where you get the thing of, like, oh, okay, well, here's the, the things that are in front of me. This is what I can do. So I want a better ship. So I'm going to just keep grinding this thing, you know, for slow progress. Uh, yeah. And they never make that leap into the, you know, into the fast lane. Because it's like, no, I'm just running around grinding arena missions, and it's fun. And I never thought, like, oh, I could, you know. And and we'll read messages from people who are frustrated, and they're, they're fighting zombies, and they're, you know, level 30, and the zombies are meant to stop at, like, level 5. And, oh, this game is so grindy, but, I mean, if they had just done something else, they would have a starbase making, like, 40,000 scrap a minute, you know? Like, like oh, my goodness. But you know, we don't to get people to people want to be space cop. They don't want to be a pirate. Oh, that's a big problem too. <laughs> yeah, so it's space pirates and zombies. But we never say you, you, you player. You're the pirate. Be bad. Don't make everyone your friend. And that's really important. You're supposed to actually be an asshole. Well, Sorry, you know, it's allowed what or would, not allowed. What would fix that is if you had an uh, a icon down at the bottom of the screen that had a letter R on it. And then whenever you hit that, your guy just goes, ah, <laughs> then yeah, you realize yeah. we need to put eye patches on all of our characters. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that should be like your communication option with other ships is just, you know, number one, R. <laughs> they dump their cargo. <laughs> so the, the game itself though, the, like in playing it, it's kind of a, I really liked Rebel Galaxy a lot. And the the only bad thing about Rebel Galaxy is there wasn't enough Rebel Galaxy. So it, it's kind of like this kind of scratches that itch, right? Where 
where I, I still have that like three quarter isometric thing and I'm, and I'm, you know, so the, the combat feels kind of like that, except you're not restricted mainly to broadsides and, and that in here. You can build your ship however the hell you want. And I have built some funky looking ships that should not have flown. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so it, it's, it's kind of like you, you still have that that feel to it. And then we play fractured space as well. So whenever you do the right click thing and you actually get the reticle and you can zoom in and, and actually shoot where you want, that's quite the departure from the, the flat top down, you know, no isometric thing that you guys had in the first game. So I like that because you have a choice. You can actually go to a straight top down view and, and play it old school um, or you can actually get down there and, and be like looking through the sniper scope if you want. I don't know if like some of your some of your uh, audience is freaking out at the change in perspective or not. Or at what, first, what's, yeah. At first that happened. Um, it's quieted right down. So we've been pretty open about the changes. We are actually, believe it or not, coming soon on Steam for over two years. So we've been coming soon for a long time. And, um, at least we've been, two or three years. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was a long, long time. So right when we put out our first video, Steam talked to us and said, Hey, do you want, uh, what do they call it? It's a little number to make, to, to make your game. Do you want a number? And I said, Yeah, sure. We'll have a number. This was before Greenlight even existed. And they gave us a number and we started, you know, being very active just on the Steam forum. And that's kind of become our main place where we talk to people. And, yeah, what was the question? <laughs> Sorry. I don't remember. Uh, I was just I saying, uh, just asking if, uh, what the fan reaction was to the oh, change. Oh yeah, the top stack. down. The top down. Yeah, so before the game came out, it was, it was, there was a lot of like, you know, you shouldn't have done that, you shouldn't have done that. But now, when we see people playing in the Let's Plays and, and talking about it, they do play in the third person. It is nicer to be able to see farther. And it is nicer to be able to aim up and down a bit. It's just, it's kind of more real. Even though, you know, you can for certain things go top down if, when you want to. I don't find myself doing it often. It was really strange how it evolved because when Spaz 2 started, yeah, it was top down. And yeah, the ships, it really evolved from the ships banking. So one day we were talking, we said, you know what? We should make the ships kind of bank when they turn. And that was cool. Like, instead of just turning, like, you know, with Y being, like, straight up, they would actually bank when they turn. Ooh, that's neat. And then one day we put in a camera just to, like, it was a, we call it the balloon camera. It was a camera that followed the ship like it was pulling a balloon behind it. And, we, ooh, that's kind of cool. And then we just, that just kept evolving. Now the balloon camera doesn't exist anymore, but the third-person camera exists. And it just, it's been very iter- iter- ah, iterative, this whole. They change their controls a lot. Yeah, of making this game. Very iterative. So, I want to go back to it some for a second. You said when you started working on this. When exactly, I want to go back to the beginning. When exactly did you start working on this? Like, was it, was it when you saw that Spaz was a fairly decent success and you're like, okay, people are going to want a sequel? Like, how did that all come about? It would have been, so we came out August 15th. Of 2011, it would have been September 1st of 2012 when we started. And um, we worked on Spaz for a year. It, when it came out, I mean, it was kind of like now. Like Spaz 2, it still needs some work. It still needs some tuning. There are still some holes we needed to fill. Like things like the specialist came after Spaz was released. We just kind of 
added things that the community saw that were missing and, you know, adapted what they were talking about to like, they would want, they would want a, and then we would say, okay, what does that mean that they want a, okay, we can put in, you know, a B essentially, and that will serve that. And that, that worked quite well. And that went on for a year. And then we said, okay, well, spaz people liked it, but we want to make something new as well. So we had a lot of struggles with, okay, what do we do? Like, how do we make a sequel to this game? Cause we didn't, we didn't want to just make a direct sequel. I mean, in some cases we've, we've had a lot of, um, pain from not making a direct sequel. There's some people who are very angry about us not making a direct sequel and it, it's, it's been hurting us there, but also we don't have a, a time machine and we can't say, in this alternate universe where we made a direct sequel, which would have probably only taken a year and a half instead of almost four years, um, we would be less interested, obviously, because we would just be doing the same thing again. Um, we think the new game is better, but when we would just, if we just make a direct sequel, the people who do like the new game might be the ones who are then complaining about, hey, you didn't do anything, right? So it's really tough. So how many, uh, like, how many iterations of this have you gone through to get to where you are now? Cause you said it was top down and it didn't have banking. So like, how many would you say, like, versions did you go through to get to where it is today? Um, hard to that, say versions, yeah. really. Right. Uh, we just, we iterated on so many individual pieces of the game. Like, like Andrew was saying, like the, the camera went through so many versions. Like, uh, even the, even the up and down aiming didn't really, come online until we had the zoom camera which served us a, a function and like well we should we should transplant these features back like uh, for the longest time like years we didn't have any concept of a space station even uh for a long time we didn't have a concept of uh, the individual factions um so it's hard to say how many versions of the game itself it went through like all the individual pieces have probably gone through dozens upon dozens of iterations so it's it's hard to say there is a b model a c model it's a it's been kind of like a living design the whole time. Yeah, I wish that developers, when they were making a game, it's maybe a little late now because you're at the end. Um, but through the process, all those different iterations where you try something and, and then you find a better thing, right? And the game changes. So so you, you had one thing and then you get to the end and it's like, wow, this, this looks nothing like what we started out with. Um, I wish that like at milestones along the way that you guys took video. Of of playing it, and oh, then, we have builds. Uh, then, yeah. We've got lots of builds. I did because oh, well, <laughs> I I would put like a blooper reel out and just a, you know just we did a development album actually. Oh okay. I mean it's just it's just mostly screenshots and descriptions. There's there wasn't too many videos, but uh, yeah, we we definitely showed a little bit of some of our of our early modes, but yeah, we didn't do any, uh, too much in the way of videos. Maybe next time. Yeah, yeah, because I'm I'm thinking you know like about three minutes long. Uh, uh, a time sequence from terrible to awesome with yakety sacks in the background. Because <laughs> that makes everything better. The real thing that sunk us was, like time-wise, was the star map. So if you go back and look at our, our video from, uh, I guess it would be almost two years ago now, a little over two years ago, when we put out our combat video, the combat hasn't changed dramatically since then. We had we got that right away pretty well. We're like, okay, that's good. But then we had the star map thing that was actually meant to only take a couple of months. And that's why we, we've had this extended period of like, oh, we're coming out Q, Q4 of 2014. 
and then Q1 2015, and then we're like, oh, we're not saying anymore when we're coming out because we just don't know because the star map turned out to be really, really complicated. Um, it's hard if you to ask. If you told me, like, here's Unity, make that map, I would be four years just doing that. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm looking at the map Is right this now. Unity? Yeah. Yep. It's like you can hardly tell, huh? Because it's not all, like, pixel indie looking. It's like, it's like you guys made... <laughs> You made a triple A looking game that is still kind of like Indian scope, right? Because it's, it's like, you know, it's not Call of Duty and dubstep and all that stuff, right? So, but, but it's still like, it's a, it's a hell of a game. Oh, thanks. There's a lot of stuff going on here. And, yeah, this isn't know, just like a copy paste indie game that you see with a lot of these other ones out there. This is, this has got some work behind it. It's really good. Well, the, yeah, the we, real, we don't deserve this, but we'll take it. <laughs> The weird thing about it is, in the end, and I guess it's part of the development process, but it was two games. So we we built a combat game. And the combat game is cool. At the time, it was all StrikeCraft, but it was really cool. We could play multiplayer, and we are doing all these things. And then we needed a reason to get you through the game. And we both like Mountain Blade, and we're like, you know, people, everyone's always talking about Mountain Blade in space, and, you know, we should actually do that. And we kind of... I mean, that came through the evolution, but we sort of were trying to do that. And we got... Now, the reason why there aren't many Mountain Blade games, I can now tell you, is because it's really, really, really difficult to make two games talk. So we have these things called um, part infos. I'm getting a little technical in, into the code, but essentially you have parts in the star map world, and then you have parts in the combat world, and you have to somehow, they're very important to both games, and you have to bridge those. So you have these two games that are handing off these, these essentially like a cartridge sticking into, to like, take this cartridge, build this cool ship, take this cartridge, you know, show this thing that matters, and oh man, it's complicated. So yeah, uh, it's... <laughs> two guys. <laughs> it's, 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 it's probably so, why... I mean, oh, sorry, go ahead. Is it like you're, you actually have two different, uh, like lines of code here and and you're storing a bunch of data and then the other code loads up and then imports that there are two to, games running yeah. The, yeah yeah so the, when you you load when you load level A and level B it's not like oh I'm loading a new level no I'm loading this entire new game manager this entire new system it goes like when you're in combat plunk it's that and then when you're in the the game world I mean, you could you could quite easily take the combat out and just play the game world, and it would just be the strategic game that you play and just sim all the battles, but we don't want that. And mm. you could have a game where you just play the combat. I mean, if we had been smart, we would have just made two games in this time and <laughs> <laughs> not the one. But um, yeah. it's, so I it's have, been interesting. I, I have a question about the, the star map thing, because there's there is so much shit that's going on on this star map, <laughs> just graphically, right? And and it's multi-layered, and I'm looking at just the stuff in the background, right? Like these these lines that are moving around, and that's all 3D looking, or you faked it really well. Um, but you know, it, it's got depth to it and stuff. And then the the lines that indicate, um, I guess that's like uh, this guy that owns multiple systems, right? And it connects his multiple stations. And I zoom in on that, and you actually you actually have cars and trains that are flying down these highways. And 
it's uh, <laughs> I don't know if those are really cars and trains, but they sure look like it. Yeah, um, they're cars and trains. Funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, they're 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 uh, they're some of the civilian drone models we had from the first oh. game, so I repurposed them. And, okay. Yeah, I I, I needed a, I needed a space train, so I put one in. Well, that see that brings up my other great idea is uh, I need you to make Railroad Tycoon in space. If you would do that for me, please. <laughs> I, I, I would personally enjoy that quite a bit. Okay. Now that uh, you're over this, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I didn't but, think there was another person on the planet that liked Railroad Tycoon. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk. Um, it's a fine franchise, I'm afraid. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's an old game called Space Bucks. From oh yeah. The and. Uh, yeah, if you if I have an unopened copy of that game sitting on my shelf right now. Yeah, if, if <laughs> it's you've such never a great it, game, it's such it, a great it, game. It is a work of utter genius, and nobody has ever tried to make anything like it's, it. It's it's an impressions game, the city builders, but they made a space economic game in 1996 that just blows the hell out of just anything since, really. Yeah, it's like, it's like you have to send a team to a planet. And then you sit down at a negotiation table with the aliens and you haggle out what, you know, like how long a, the port contract is going to be, how much they're going to charge you for the port, and what goods you must import to make them happy. And then anything above and beyond that's just profit. And, and you have to, and it, much like Railroad Tycoon, right? It's like ships evolve as, as the game goes on. So it's like, well, do I maintain this old crusty ship that I have or do I invest in the new hot ship? And that kind of stuff. And then you're kind of managing, you're hooking industries together and stuff. It's very much Railroad Tycoon in space with like a, like a, almost a, the corporate machine that's also running in there. And there's also, uh, there's also corporate espionage. There's piracy. There's just all kinds of layers to that onion. It's yeah. And, so le- and let me add, this ran in Windows 3.1. Yep. So that dates it. That's so old anyway. School. Pretty yeah. amazing. So, so I'm look, but I'm looking at this map and I'm seeing like all these layers of things that's going on here. Like, what is this in Unity? Is this like a whole bunch of? I, I have no idea how I would construct that. Um, it all, I, it's actually just a 3D scene. Um, so it's just the camera's just sitting on the top, pointing down. But it is a 3D scene. But what I've done is I've just, I control all the sorting, so certain things will draw on top of others. So I've I've kind of manually sorted all the assets, so I've taken a bit of the 3D out of it, but, uh, but yeah, it's just, it's just a Unity scene. It actually isn't super different from how the combat layer works, it's just a bunch of sprites, like on little plane cards, instead of 3D models. But it is actually all still simulated in a 3D environment. It's, it's just, this map is so gorgeous, it makes me a little misty-eyed. So Thank I, you. I, have quit, I have to quit looking at it now. I'm not, <laughs> not gonna be, I'm getting verklempt. So it's just all the colors they're baking your brain. No, it is, man. No, it's no, like, I, sorry, oh, go ahead. No, Richard. Uh, in listening to you talk, I remembered a detail that I have a question about. You did a lot of the voice work yourself for the first game. Am I remembering uh, that correctly? Uh, yeah, I, uh, yeah, I probably me and my girlfriend did all of it. <laughs> so uh, does that mean we can look forward to more of your voice work for the sequel? Uh, well, actually, all the captain voices that are currently in the game right now are, again, me and my girlfriend. The only <laughs> ones, yeah, I thought it was sounding familiar. I, I was like, what? Yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, so that relationship uh, has survived two of these games. Yeah, she's she's put up with me that's, all this that's time. That's good. Like, she's that's such good. a stripper. <laughs> well yeah. done. Well done, both of you. 
Yeah, I don't deserve it, but she did. I gotta um, say but, though, I kinda like the placeholder, like, kinda Siri voices you have for the tutorial guy, like your own guys right now. Yeah, I wasn't expecting people to, to really be attracted to that, but, uh, we'll just keep them. I mean, we paid for them, so we'll keep them, but we'll get the new one so you can just have nothing, or we'll use the synth voices, or once, once we do some professional recording, you'll have, you'll have options. But yeah, oh, we won't, we won't remove it if people like it, so there's no point in removing it. Oh wait, people. so you'll let people decide whether they want the Siri type voice or the actual recorded voices, for example, or just text? That's right. Yeah. I mean, we probably we probably won't have a menu that pops up at the beginning like we have now. But I mean, for the people who want to go into the option and and set it back to the old way, I mean, mem- memory's free these days. It's not a it's, there's not a ton of memory there, so why not? Yeah. Hey, Brian, they have a, a like a reference to you in here. This what? is crazy. I, I unlocked a lore item, and it's a thing called the Anti Potty Mouth Initiative. <laughs> oh no! It's, <laughs> This is the Anti-Potty Mouth Initiative. It's a communal funded program aimed at refining the human language while increasing speaking efficiency by removing filler slang. <laughs> yeah. I'm well, try- well, well. I'm trying to, I'm trying to get my cursing under control. It's, it's, not, it's the Philly. It's That's, the Philly. It's totally the Philly. And it's not getting, it's getting better. change that. They should change that from filler slang to Philly slang and then they would be right on the money. I'll tell you what, I went to a concert the other day and it was all high schoolers because it was for my girlfriend's uh, students. And so she's like, I don't want to hear one bad word out of you the entire time we're at the, at the hall. So good on. Oh, so it's not just me and Jim telling you. Oh God, no, no. My girlfriend's been on me for this for years, years. Sorry about the tangent guys, but, uh, yes, yeah, so I didn't ever one bad word. <laughs> I didn't utter one, we do this. So I didn't utter one bad word for about five hours. It happened. Did you, did you have to run out back and then curse a lot in the alley? Like, just, <laughs> it was like you were having a nicotine. Fit. Oh, I just, the entire ride home, I just said the C word over and over and over <laughs> again. Just the entire drive home. You come. So, yes. Anyway, about also, this game. There's, the, there's the friends don't shoot friends in the face program, but that's not a, <laughs> expected to make it to the voting phase you guys are hilarious this is great why don't you come and hang out like all the time (laughs) so i have a question about some of the uh, character design are they based off of like any real people specifically specifically ken Ken burnside specifically well we based them off of the characters we had oh you mean like the captains or like the main cast like the, the where you see like the detrial like screen where the guy kind of looks like he's a borg you know like oh um yeah, we hired a guy to do all those faces for us, and uh, I mean, we gave him a very loose guideline for how the faces had to be, and we made sure that he didn't uh, make anything that looked like too zombified, and said, you know, you, you've got these kind of guidelines to work with him, but we wanted to give him as much creative freedom to make goofy stuff. I mean, our game's pretty silly, and we don't take anything super seriously, so I mean, we showed him the game a lot before he started doing any of this work. He played the last game. Uh, we showed him all the characters. Um, so we kind of just well, let our face guy just go nuts. And, uh, you know, we sent a couple back here and there that weren't working, but ultimately they were they were coming in. They were really good. Um, oh, I guess and, in other words, I was wondering, are there are any of the uh, any of the picture art of characters based off of any of you guys? Because I know, like, for example, a buddy of mine who is an artist, he does a lot of um, art stuff for the... Um, 
the the tabletop version of Shadowrun. Uh, he's an artist for them. And so in some of his um, interview drawings that he had to do for them, he used me and some of uh, our buddies as example, like, poses. Right. For and he Photoshop oh, over that's awesome. I knew so that I was kind of wondering... <laughs> I was wondering, uh, I was wondering if, like, you know, any of you guys, like, had any of, like, uh, been, well, like I mean, besides your voice, have you been, like, like legacied by, by picture as well in your, in your game, or? Well, both, both, uh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm Narlac in the game, and Admiral Blorf is in the game, but, uh, they don't, they don't look like us at all. Uh, so, probably, no, not really. We didn't base any of our oh. imagery off of real world characters. Uh, I mean, our character artist, I don't know where he got some of his inspiration from. Um, so maybe there a little bit, but as for like the main cast, uh, not really too much. I mean, even when we were kind of designing those characters, I had some, you know, I had some specific characters that I liked from shows. So we're going to be like, okay, let's try to emulate, uh, you know, three or four of these type of characters and, Try to make a combination. So, like, you know, for instance, like getting Elsa's look took us forever um, to get her to look proper. But, 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 yeah, we pro- we don't really say, you know, we want it to look like this person too much. Uh, we wanted them to just be, you know, original and just unique pieces of art. Yeah. So one of the guys that worked on the Starfleet Battles board game, and then he's got his own company and he makes board games now. It's Ken Burnside, and he's a friend of ours. It's been on the show, and. That dude in your game looks so much like him Which that I've, f- for the, the redheaded guy with the mustache and the goatee. The, oh, the, Carl. The, the tutorial guy. The, sci- the, Carl. the science Carl. guy. Yeah. The science guy. Yeah. Okay. He looks, he looks so much like Ken. I've been giving him a rash of shit to the point where like his friends are like, oh my god, that looks like. <laughs> <laughs> so just as fate would have it, you know. Six, six degrees of, uh, of, uh, character art. Everybody yeah, I think for style. him. Yeah, I think for him specifically, we just we just gave him the old picture from the old game, which was you know awful. Uh, and then I ended up I ended up doing a set of character art that we didn't use because uh, I, I tried to just step my game up a bit and do character art a little better. But I'm actually not that good at it, so we decided to hire someone. Uh, but yeah, it would have been. Uh, we just tried to get somebody to do like basically a supersized HD version of what we had the last time and. That's what our character guy came up with, and we we liked it pretty much immediately. So, so like you were saying, this game is basically two games working together: the map game and then the battle game. How did you get that all in sync? How much work was that? It sounds like it's a billion moving parts, like eighty million clocks trying to put all the gears together. Three and yeah. a half years, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the the. Battle stuff, it's kind of funny because you look at it and you think, oh, you know, the battle must be the hard part, but it's really not. <laughs> the star map is much, much harder. I would think because go- the battle is just this focused, like, arena. So the, what you see is that's that's it. But the map, you have all these, like, hundreds oh. of AI bits just doing their thing. And they have to figure out what they're supposed to do and not thrash. <laughs> like, if you actually take a look at their brains, what they're trying to do, I'm always in there poking around and... I touch, it's that Jenga thing we talked about earlier. I touch one thing and then something in a completely different section gets just absolutely thrown out of kilter. Right now there's 90 things that the AIs watch. And you know, you touch one and then who knows? Wait, wait, 90? 90? 90? Holy, what, like what are some of those? 
Oh, you attacked my base. My friend is under attack, and you helped him. I can go through the list. It's pretty crazy. So there's a, there's like a lot of diplomacy stuff that goes on. Everything to do with relations. Everything comes down to relations, essentially, in the end in the game. And the player's not special, so that they don't say, oh, the player did this. They just say, somebody did this. And their decision-making is based on their relations with other things. So the player... From the AI's perspective, even though the player is the one who has to destroy the zombies, they're not going to do that themselves. But the anything else that's actually a decision-making process or something I'm observing, it's completely agnostic to the player. So they know everything about everything that everyone's ever done to them and everything they've done to everyone else. And they get these relationships going. And they there there are two – on the other side of the galaxy, there can be two – AI captains who are nemesises and constantly hate each other and are fighting, you'll never know about it. But it's happening. I mean, it might have been a mistake to do that. Sometimes I think, like, why did I go to all this effort? Like, nobody's going to notice it, you know. Well, but, but I think, like what you're saying, right, and what I think is amazing is when you stop another captain to and you look up info on them, so they've got a things I saw, and that's just like, what did what did you witness around you lately? And then there's a things I did. Which, you know, is, is like who they fought, where they've been, who they traded with. And every captain is logging that stuff, apparently. Yeah, yeah. That's how they make all their decisions. That's how they join and leave factions and everything. So it's all, they're all kind of doing their best to make their, their way through life. And it's, it's, it's pretty tough to make them be intelligent because in the end, just programming an AI, I mean, you're lucky if it's as smart as a caterpillar, you know, and it has to not look stupid. But they have to they have to keep these ships running, and you you see someone playing the game, and and you think about all the things that that you have to do, like managing your res and trading your parts, and don't even get me started on shopping. How many times I've had to rewrite that to teach an AI to shop, to logically shop, and essentially you're giving in. So an AI has a bag of Lego, right? And then that AI goes to the store, and there's another bag of Lego. And it says, okay, I've got my Lego, I've got the store's bag of Lego, and I have this much money. What should I do? What Lego should I sell? What Lego should I buy? How should I build my ship? Oh, my goodness, that's crazy. Like, to get them to do that logically. So, yeah, it's it, it's a weird, weird, hard game. It's one of those features where everybody will notice it when we do it wrong, but nobody will notice it when we do it right. <laughs> Well, well, that's a good thing, though. Yeah, that's a very yeah. good thing. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I, there, there are times where I will just fly around the map and watch all the other gay eye captains just do stuff, just out of sheer curiosity, and just, just it's, it's almost like an ant farm, in its own way, but it, it doesn't feel unbelievable. Like it feels like the captain's like this captain looks like he's going to that base, and that oh that captain's going to go fight that raider, you know, and all that stuff. So it looks really convincing. Hey, so I'm gonna leave. I, I was going to say, I, I was about to say, like, I need you guys to please call up Dave Braven and explain to him about how a back-end economy works. And <laughs> Please? Then, can, can you please do that? That'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> because if it if it wasn't even the ships, right, but just the star bases that, that had once, and, you know, it's like this guy makes widgets and needs ore to make the widgets. And so he's going to ask somebody to get it for him, which would be a mining station. And then that factory station wants to sell them to a market station. So how it fulfills that is it's going to hire players to move this stuff. 
right? And then bam, your game's done. It works. And, but they, they're kind of faking all of it and it doesn't work. <laughs> so yeah. And it, but I'm looking at, at this game. And then, uh, the other one that did it great was Star Nomad 2. He had what looked like a very simple 2D game. Uh, and then we got to talking to him and found out what was really going on behind the curtain. And it was just like, oh my God, really? It's doing that. So another excellent the, uh, one is Unending Galaxy. Yes. Unending Galaxy is basically X beyond the frontier in 2D. Thank God. It's, it is an X game. Yes. I mean, you know, yeah. And an excellent so, one. An excellent yeah. one. Uh, a lot of, a lot of people have been doing some crazy good stuff in 2D. Like, uh, 3030 Death War. Mm-hmm. That game just mm-hmm. blows my mind. Um, and yeah, so it, it's kind of like when you don't have to worry about that whole 3D universe and you can kind of concentrate on the AI and the story and, and the other stuff, right? And then you don't need a team of 50 people. So you just need two guys in about four years. <laughs> I do. I, that. I do like how you've made some areas of the game more streamlined and some areas more complicated. But it's it's a different level of complicated. Like in the first game, you didn't toy with parts like you do in this one. But in the first game, you also had to go to asteroid fields and grind, you know, materials, which you don't you don't have to do in in this new game. So how did you decide like what to make more complex and more streamlined as you went on? I want to answer this one. <laughs> yeah, it, it's one of these weird things that evolved. Like we knew right away we didn't want to do, even though we are going to do a little bit of it now because there are a certain, there's a certain set of people who really want to sit there and shoot asteroids for whatever reason. Wait, really what? Like We're not going to make you do it though. This is the thing. So I'm that so, guy. Yeah, I do so enjoy some, doing that from time to time, but not like. Oh. The real time the, to time is the keyword. Yeah. <laughs> what so did the, what trick, did the asteroid do to you, though? I mean, the trick is. Yeah, I just love sitting in Eve grinding Veldspar for hours. On we want to we want to provide options, <laughs> but not say this is the way you have to do it because we've had things like for a while, for example. This is a good example. So after a battle, we had in levels these little crates, which were essentially full of red scrap and goons. And what ends up happening at the end of every battle, what do you have to do? We call it a janitorial task, and we don't want that. You have to fly around the level and kill all the crates to do it right, in quotes, you know? Right. So we want to we want to keep that out of that particular loop. So the fighting is about fighting. It's not about going and sweeping up after the fight. Now, there are other things you can do, like say that you want to do an arena, you know, which is actually a fight, but you want to you want to do something that is that will have no effect on your ship, but you're gonna you know maybe learn something. Or if we add an ambient event, we say okay, if you want to have a way to uh, you know make a little bit of of scrap or something, yeah, go ahead and we've got a nice ambient environment. You can go and shoot some rocks or stuff, but we're not going to have them all over the galaxy. We're not going to say this is the big mistake. Like in Spaz One. Um, those asteroids were essentially our fallback. We always call them street dealers, which Rich will explain when I'm done. But it's our fallback, fallback position, meaning that if you screwed up everything in the world, you can always go and dig yourself out. But what ended up happening was people thought that was what we wanted them to do, whereas, in fact, that's the opposite of what we wanted. We did not want you to actually leave the game for 20 minutes and set up a mining operation. 
we made that a possibility, but that wasn't what we wanted you to be doing because it was actually the worst option for making money. So in this game, even though we're going to make those kind of events, we're not going to make them in a consistent spot in the galaxy, so they will expire. So if you see one of these kind of ambient events events pop up, so there's an event that's that's going to have eh, 300 scrap in it or whatever, you know, will be a good value for it. You'll do that event and it'll be gone, and you can't go and grind them, which is really important. We do not want you grinding the events. So you'll say, "Oh, that's a that's a good opportunity." Bang! I'm going to go do that. But then we'll have a you know a few different ones of these so that you can say, "Oh, that, you know, I'm going to shoot a comet, or I'm going to go and deal some asteroids, or I'm going to go and blow up a bunch of barrels, or whatever you're going to do that that are fun things." But when you do them, they're gone. So the next time they come, you're excited that they come instead of saying, "Okay, now it's my job." To mine asteroids all day long. And now Richard can tell you what street dealers are. Oh, it's a, that's an old thing from a, well, okay, so we actually worked together on a big company way back and we made a, that Scarface, the world is yours for, I guess it was PlayStation 2. God, that's old now. But yeah, yeah. we had a, we had a gang war system that was kind of like a drug wars economy and at the bottom layer we had these things called street dealers, so. No matter how much you screwed your game up, you can always go and deal with these guys or kill these guys and take their stuff. Um, so we actually kind of, like, I've brought this up so many times over the course of developing this game, is that we always need something like a low-level resource. And it's actually kind of funny, because the bandits are street dealers. <laughs> like, they're there, like, like the bandits are there as, like, low-level feeder fish, and they keep they keep a large portion of the economy running. Because, you know, even though you don't need to kill them anymore, these other lower level agents do. Um, so, I mean, a lot of our games like this, like, how do we, how do we have these systems that you can interact with that you can, you're, you know, you want to do them for these periods, we want you to play them and then jump off, but we can't really do too much scaling with you or, or anything like that because other agents need to interact with these things. So it's definitely tricky trying to, to feed new features into this game, but uh, we're going to try to do some kind of side mission system, because that's definitely been pretty high on the request list so far. Oh, wait, you're going to have, like, quests and stuff beyond the tutorial? Uh, well, like what Andrew was saying, we're going to have some little events that will come up and allow you to do some kind of crowd-pleasery gameplay to, you know, earn some resources here and there. Um, we're not really sure what those are going to look like yet. Uh, they won't probably look too much like the first game. We need to figure out where this fits in the design yet, and we still have to actually figure that out. Um, but there's a, yeah, we, we could probably stand to have something that's a little bit more player, like a more player driven crowd pleaser style mission for you to play. And yeah, we, we, we need to design this stuff. <laughs> yeah, we've just, we, we essentially have a task list right now. And what happens is we, we pull what the community is talking about the most, and we're talking to them and finding out, okay, what what's the biggest bang for the buck? And we have eight things that we're working on right now. And a couple of those we've delivered, and um, there's six more that we're, we're doing. And once that's done, we're going to do another set. So we, we keep saying, okay, what's the most important things that are coming up? And when we make the changes to the game, we're going we're gonna to see what, you know, what have these changes done before we decide what the next set will be? Because it might change what's important. Like once we've added the catalog, for example, people people asking about, I would like to make my own parts, like put my own parts on, on or put my own weapons on parts has become less 
because that has kind of been resolved. Now, yes, you can find the part you want, but we haven't broken the whole um, main thrust of the, the star map where you've got this territorial control system that's actually generating the parts. But when you talk about um, the missions, in, in quotes, they're kind of not really missions, but we've got essentially ambient events, which, which give you um, one-time expendable cool things to interact with, which are just fun. You know, just fun stuff to do in the actual battle level or creating more atmosphere. And then we have the concept of side quests. Now, the, the goal there is to teach players to do the things that, they, that we're finding them not doing. So say, for example, an extremely lucrative thing that a lot of people are missing is that if you see a battle happening, even with a high-level battle, say you're like level 10, and you see two level 30s in a fight, just like in Spaz 1, we kind of want you to be a scavenger for a while. And you can join that battle, join one side, one guy's going to like you, one guy's going to not like you for, for it. Join the stronger side, help the stronger side win. For the most part, you'll just be killing the weaker side strike craft. But in doing that, you're going to get access to a whole whack of parts, whole ton of experience. Like these are the things we want to teach you, but that's not that's not triggering in people. So what we're going to end up doing is making a side quest that says go do that. And if you do that, we'll give you a bunch of experience and you'll say, "Hey, wow, that was awesome that I did that and got all that experience and look at all these parts." And then hopefully you'll start doing that on your own. So that's the goal of that system. So it sounds like so far the early access uh, experience has been pretty positive and uh, you guys have been learning a lot from your fans. Very much so, yeah. Yeah. We have like 65 years of feedback. <laughs> yeah, there, like, it, it's insane the amount of testing that it's, it's, and we're really grateful for it. Like, you know, there's, there's two of us and we've got friends and family who run the game. Thankfully, Unity is really stable, so we've had no major problems. But now we've got, yeah, I would say, oh, probably it's had about 40 years of playtime. Continuous now, somewhere Wait, in that 40 area. years? Yeah. Yeah, somewhere around there. About 40 years of playtime. <laughs> so, Christ. So that, that's a lot of testing. And, and we've, you know, we've got, we've got one bug. That's not us, but we have to figure out a way to kill. There's a sound looping thing that will, if we ever actually figure out what exactly it is, Richard and I will like tattoo it on our arms or something. We'll be so happy to, to <laughs> know what this thing was. Cause it's not actually, it's not, oh, we hate it. But we've got all these brains working on it now, so that's good. These people who are saying, oh, it happened to me here, here you know, trying to find that. But otherwise, it's been running really well for people, and there's been a lot of good ideas, and it's quite exciting. It's a lot of work. I mean, you kind of think that you put out, you know, you, you release, and it's it's going to be like, oh, good, we released. But, yeah, I've, and I know Richard as well, we just kind of, now our time is... Day and night we're on the forums and then we try and get our, our, you know, our eight hours in on the game at least, but we're also kind of jumping into the forums all the time because, you know, people are, people are, you know, this crazy globe we're on that's round and people, you know, they have a question, what's midnight for us is 8 a.m. for them and yeah, it's that. So wait, you you guys pl- work on this eight hours a day? You play it eight hours? Like no, we we, well, we try we to get to, it. We have to do our actual like our core hours of working on the ah, game. Ah, okay. But beyond that, we we go as far after that as we want. But we want to actually make sure that we actually code, do art, fix the tutorials, all the things we have to do. We want to do for eight hours a day, like for sure. 
Then there's the whole forum part where we're like, you know, it's 7.30 in the morning, getting the kids ready for school. Let's check the forums. Oh, crap, somebody had a had this weird bug. Okay, we're going to have to do a hotfix today, that kind of that kind of thing. See, these guys these guys will work 120 hours a week so that they don't have to work for EA for 40 hours a week. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Zing. You, you guys should totally do shifts, though, like 12 hours well, we on, do. 12 we... hours off, you know, that kind of thing. Actually, for the longest time, we've actually had a split uh, week where I work Saturdays and he doesn't, and I don't do Mondays anymore. So that uh, makes it handy. But yeah, for forum stuff, we we would kind of hand it off a bit. Yeah, like we'll say on because we pretty much live on Skype because we're not in an office together. He he lives about five minutes away, but we're in separate houses. So, you know, he'll be watching the forums for the morning and I'll watch them in the afternoon or, you know, whatever it's going to be. Or say Richard sees somebody posting a bug that's something of mine. He'll say to me, oh, you know, something's up. And he'll send me a link. And I'm like, oh, crap. Okay. And we've had some pretty good turnaround times on hotfixes. I think we had one that was 40 minutes. Somebody had something like, oh, raids aren't giving experience. Whoops, that's major. And then, yeah, and the Steam, Steam has been uh, very, very much upgraded since five years ago. Let me tell you, for, for pushing builds, I have a, I have a, an icon I double click on my, on my desktop now. And if I click that, the build is on Steam. So it's pretty good. How many hotfixes have we done in four weeks? Uh, over 20. <laughs> yeah. Holy crap. So, so wait a minute. You're saying Steam as a platform has evolved that much since you released the first game? It's yeah, way better. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot more people, which is, is, is hard. That, that part's scary because like, as we were, I don't think you were here, but we were talking about the ice cream truck analogy. Like there's a town with three ice cream trucks. All the, all the ice cream truck drivers are happy in the town because they're all selling ice cream. Then you have the same town with 3000 ice cream trucks and everyone starves. So <laughs> there's, there's a bit of that, but the upside is that it's gotten really easy to work with. Their their back end, I mean, really easy. Wow. So like, like how like because we don't really know, at least I don't, about that that side of Steam. So like, what were the biggest differences, if you don't mind me asking, between like publishing on Steam back in 2011 and publishing on Steam today? Oh man, like in the old days. <laughs> it's funny how five years ago were the old days. Yeah, it's the old days then. <laughs> Ten minutes back ago. in the west, <laughs> back in the west, when we all lived in frontier towns and shat in a bucket. No, right. I used to wear an onion on my belt. You had to, <laughs> you that was had the to, style at the time. <laughs> you had to essentially set up this this Steam server on your computer. What? And, yeah, it was weird. And you you would create a package, and you would test it on your machine, and it was there was a, it was a process like it, for someone to do. A hotfix, more than one in a day would be probably insane back then because of the amount of, of checking you would have to do. And you would finally package it all up and you would, you would send that off. I can't remember how, how the heck did I upload it? There was. Did you have an FTP? I think it might have been. What? But FTP? back then, yeah, so now it's all, now it's all just done through a webpage. But back then, like we had a Steam person we talked to. And I still thankfully have that person and, and I mean, he's absolutely awesome. I've never, like, if I've ever had a question, it's like two seconds later, bang, it's, it's answered. So it's like, you have, you had like a tech contact and you would, you would package up these builds, 
I mean, it's, it's, it is, it does feel like a million years ago now. And then you would send that off and that would somehow appear on Steam. And the weirder thing was once we started having a Mac and a, and a, and a Linux build, because I don't, you know, I don't have a Linux machine and we had our, our porting guy and he would just, the people at Steam knew him and they said, yeah, you have access to Space Pirate and Zombies. So he's kind of like a, a de facto developer in our company. It's like, yeah, he puts it on like, Oh good, magic. Okay, please do more of that. You know, so it, it was, it was a lot different. Whereas now there is setup. I mean, to get onto Steam took maybe a day, less than a day to figure out. And, you know, you do all the setting up that you have to do, which is a little complicated at first, but in the end, I double click an icon. It's on Steam. Then I say, okay, make that my beta build. And Richard and I go, yeah, the beta build's good. It didn't have any errors, like the game started. Then we go, okay, make that the default build. And literally that second, everyone's got it. Boom. It's just like that. That's amazing. And and like I said, as a consumer, I never knew how it worked like that. So that's that's really amazing how they made it so much better for you guys. It's awesome. It's It's slick. That's why they make the big bucks. <laughs> yeah, it's probably a reason why the Windows Store will never take off. Like, ever. Like, they really Windows wanted to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, they really, 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 really want you to use that stupid thing, but no one is. <laughs> and there's a good reason for it. Because <laughs> it's really... Dude, it's happening. It's totally no. It isn't. No, it isn't. Because <laughs> let it go. Because they're gonna they're gonna have the cross play so that you just buy. No, it it's on play anywhere. Spot. It's play okay. anywhere. That's what it's called. Play anywhere. Yeah. Cross buys. Cross buys Sony's thing. To, play anywhere. Well, whatever it is. Yeah, I'm not feeling that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 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 just not. It's gonna be a thing, like. Uh, like games for Windows, they're gonna just uh, do it enough to jack the market up and then abandon it like it never existed. Okay, so I watched all, just a side note here. I watched all of Microsoft's presentation because I read somewhere they were gonna be debuting a real-time strategy game. I'm like, woo! I like real-time strategy games. Yeah, it was Halo Wars two on Windows 10. But it's awesome. Is is it? I don't know. People have been okay. Crying. They didn't okay, so so the time. first Halo Wars was interesting as a as a console RTS because as what I was trying to say earlier, console RTSs are quite interesting <laughs> because as we said before, Starcraft uh, Starcraft on the N64 was complete shite, and then <laughs> they they launched Command and Conquer three I think on the Xbox 360 also very bad. Yeah, how um, did that work? You see, the the problem is is like you know RTSs. Especially action RTSs at that are meant for keyboard and mouse because you have quick controls, right? Yeah, you gotta you move got fast. Your, your, you gotta select your shift. Your shift yeah. up to one. You're like, you know, your unit selection, your groupings. Yeah. You know, you can't really move that fast with a controller. Nope. And the fact that they realized that they got a, a whole bunch of feedback after the first one, which is why I don't understand why it's taken them this long to come out with two, like Halo Wars two. That doesn't make sense to me why it's taken so long. But they realized that the PC market was definitely a place for it, that it needed to be. And so they're finally bringing Halo Wars to the PC with Halo Wars 2. Whether it'll be good or not, I don't know. But, you know, anytime you get an RTS on, on the PC, um, you know, it could be really it's going to be miss. better than the console. Yeah, it's going to be, well, like, it'll be hit or miss, but it'll be better than the console version. I'll I mean, tell you that. I mean, it is Ensemble Studios. 
I mean, it, it, which is kind of a shadow of its former self in a lot of ways, but it's still Ensemble Studios. So that's something. Anyway, did guys. They not, did they not port Supreme Commander to the Oh, Xbox? my favorite game. <laughs> really? No, because if they did, that would have been stupid. No, they I know, did. Right? They, there did was... sub, they did Subcom 1 and 2 Xbox ports, but I don't think yeah. any of them did very really? well. Really? No. Yeah, that, that's why nobody's heard yeah. of them. The first one was really bad, but they did a lo- they did a simultaneous launch with Subcom 2, and it was okay with some control problems, but I never tried either of them because I have the Supreme P- Commander I have a PC, 2. So. I hated Supreme Commander 2. It was, it was the worst. They, if you waited for them to fix the, uh, the rate-based economy after eight months, it got much better. <laughs> I haven't even tried to go back to it because it was just so bad. Yeah, Subcom, though, and Forged Alliance are, are where it's at for me. Yeah, they're probably, in my opinion, the best RTSs of all time. Really? I really like Subcom. Something about blowing up robots. Well, that, that is I'm, always I'm fun. happy for you. Probably blow up robots in space. <laughs> I'm happy for you. I'm going to let you finish. The Supreme Commander. No, the greatest I'm... RTS of all time. All time. Better than Seven Kingdoms? I don't know. I really don't know. Does no one know Seven Kingdoms but me? Okay. Anyway. Says a lot. All but... by myself. <laughs> play, the, play the Debbie Downer. It's... Wah, wah, oh, wah, my. wah. No, it's the Skywalker version. <laughs> if you no, that's right, the Skywalker version of All that. by Myself. That's amazing. I don't know. That's probably oh, yeah, that's right. the funniest thing I've seen all year. It's the remix of the Force Awakens ending. Yes, yes. Where sure. where Ray where Ray shows up and stuff, bringing out the lightsaber. It's a microphone. <laughs> <laughs> and well, Luke starts singing. Well, they figured out how to give Mark more lines. That's right. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Mm. Uh, anyway, so um. Tangent? Hello. Hi. Yeah. yeah. Got a bit yeah, of a cut on there. Sorry. Yeah, that went and crazy there. Sorry, but you've been in early access for a month now, and you were saying you're planning on early access for what? Three to six months, I think you were saying no, the last time? six months to a year. Six months to a year. Is that still, is that still the plan? Yeah. Yeah, I don't, we got a long road ahead of us. There's a lot of ideas and they take time to poke the Jenga tower, right? And then we got voices and we have Localization and we have multiplayer, so there's there's a lot of time to evolve. Now let's. I'm excited guys, for the multiplayer. Yeah, I was going to ask. Let's, let's talk about the plans for multiplayer. Is it going to be just the battle portion, or can you go around the map with your buddies making no, your own faction? Work. Won't work. No, it'll be it'll be a fighting game. Oh. In the oh. multiplayer. Yeah. Because the map won't work with multiple players. No, no. It's still going to be awesome. You just awesome, have to look though. at the time. Mechanic. Oh, I'm not saying it's not going to yeah. be awesome. That's just that sounded that sounded exciting when I said it. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, the, people people want it, but I mean, design the actual design of the star map kind of precludes it. So it's it's one of these things because we we've known we were going to make multiplayer for a long time, but we did not want to kind of change what is cool about the star map to make multiplayer work. So the thing that Richard and I have played for over two years when we actually fight each other in ships is actually really, really fun. And we're going to make ways to make that even more fun. But when it comes down to it, if you're going to play a multiplayer match, it's going to be you and your friends fighting in a, in a level for as long as you want to fight, but not you 
with potentially your friend watching him on the star map for 20 minutes. It's just not going to work. So That makes sense. Now, what kind of yeah. modes are we talking about for multiplayer? Is it going to be like capture the flag, for example? I and mean, what are we talking about? We've had some crazy ideas we actually don't want to go into. Right? We've had ones that would get us sued, but they're just funny. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute. You have to at least clue us in on one of the ones that might get you sued. Or just hint, hint at it, because uh, I'm dying. I'm di- can you, I say a funny you, one? You drop you? that now. You can't just let how about, it hang here. How about I'll do it? No, I'll, 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 I'll avoid the direct reference, but it would no, be No, we got to do the direct funny. reference. Okay, fine. Well, to, I think it would be funny to play soccer in space, and we'll call it Tractor League. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the tractor beam's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we were thinking of throwing in a funny mode like that. Those kinds of things. We just want to have fun sometimes. Yeah. We haven't really spent too much time thinking about I mean, we, we know we have this cool multiplayer core that works, but... Uh, I mean, the, our, our focus has just been so much on getting the star map portion working. Uh, we've talked about some cool ideas. So I'm sure, I'm sure something really, really cool will come of it. But yeah, we're kind of just a little bit tight-lipped about it for the time being no, until we've had that... some more time to 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 kind of digest, like you know, what people want out of it. But uh, I mean, you know, Andrew is right. Like we played some multiplayer. Like where we just kill each other and it's really fun and we're laughing and smiling, but every time we talk about doing a multiplayer, even in the star map, the design doesn't work, the tech doesn't work, neither of us are smiling, it's, it just doesn't seem very fun, like time only moves when you move, not when two other hundred players are moving, so it's just, it just doesn't work. Um, so we're going to try to do something else, but equally is awesome, so... We'll see what we'll see what happens. Well, if you want some good ideas for some fun multiplayer modes, it's a racing game, but it's got some really unique modes. It's called Test That's... It's called Test Drive Eve of Destruction. <laughs> it was I'll have to give that a try. It was a PS two game and an original Xbox game, but it had like it had multiplayer modes where like you were driving one car and your friend was behind you chained in another car chained to you and he you and the guy in the back would like try and knock out the other cars. As you drive around a track, stuff like that. Yeah, so we're looking for modes like that, like cute little modes that kind of break the mold. I remember playing a like a destruction derby for the Nintendo sixty four. Oh god, the before. destruction derby games. Yeah, so well, they had great. this one mode. They had this one mode where it was like bomb tag, so everybody had, there was one bomb in play, and you had to try to pass it off. And once it expired, it would kill that player and eliminate them. And I'm like, I've never seen like a mode like this get repeated in a multiplayer game. So there's definitely a lot of things that we're thinking about. Uh, you know, to try to just get out of the, the typical deathmatch, capture the flag mold, and try to find something that fits with our game that's a little bit more fun. Dude, yeah, the, totally, the put, Brian, totally put in the, racing. Sorry, you got to put in loop racing. You know, like every fu- every fucking space game. Excuse, sorry, my language. Every goddamn... Damn it! Darn it! <laughs> <laughs> the anti-potty mouth initiative, man. Sorry! <laughs> We're having pizza tomorrow night. Every, wow. Every, uh... Every... Gosh darn space game. Almost everyone has a race where you're running through the rings. You know what I mean? You gotta have that at the very least. We already have those giant ring advertisements. It's well, what about, come up. <laughs> well, what about if you flew through the rings, you actually collect rings, but then if you get hit, like all the rings bounce out. Then thinking of getting us soon. That's what you guys need. You need some kind of a mascot. Like a cute little, uh. We do, we got like, the little like, battery guy. Max capacitor. Oh. Max capacitor. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was thinking like a little, uh, chibi zombie space guy, but yeah, okay. Logic the oh. hedgehog? 
Some something to compete with <laughs> Mario. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, you know, it's like it's like Fallout's got Pip Boy, right? And we we were, we were talking today about Crash Bandicoot, right? Because that's like the uh, most exciting thing at E3 is that they mentioned that Crash One right. One through Three is getting a remake. What? Yeah. Yeah, the remastering Crash One through Three but, for the but wait, but not Crash, not Crash Tag Racing, not the racing game. No. Crash no, Team Racing. God those were damn. owned by the company we're no longer affiliated with. Oh, that game was so great. I own it. It's still fun. Crash Team Racing is actually a lot of fun. I mean, if so, anything, uh, to compete with Mario Kart, that was the game. So oh, why, yeah, didn't they, yeah. why didn't they call it Crash Kart? And it could have been like a hospital <laughs> race. <you know. laughs> um, but <laughs> but anyway, yeah, so that we were talking about like Crash Bandicoot, right? And why did he not become the Mario for PlayStation? Because like Sega had us had their Hedgehog and then Nintendo had that Italian guy and well, Sony, they tried I think Sony had a few have. of them though they didn't have just Crash Bandicoot they had Ratchet and Clank and a couple others yeah. right yeah and honestly Ratchet and Clank's probably the most rem- <clears throat> the most uh, mnemonic of them all yeah they're getting a movie aren't they isn't there going to be a Ratchet and Clank movie uh, there has been a movie. Already. Oh wait, so it already... I don't think it did very well though. Oh, I didn't know it was already out. At least that might, I I don't know. I, I don't know anything about the outside world anymore. I just catch it on the grapevine. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there was a Ratchet and Clank movie, and it didn't do all that great. But don't quote me on that. Oh no, you're right. It did come out this year. Sixteen percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay, that's still better than Angry Birds. Oh jeez. But yes. Um, yeah, so, uh, question about, is, is there an end game in this yet, or is it just kind of like you, you, it's a flat earth and you just sail off the edge? Oh no, you, like you will, you have an entire campaign to play. Um, the time it takes people is really variable. I would say between 12 and 30 hours, depending on what you do. Mm-hmm. And once you finish the campaign, it just goes into full sandbox mode. And once you finish a campaign, you essentially know how to play the game. And then what we want you to do is to play sandbox mode because it does tend to play out quite differently depending on who you make friends with and what weapons you get early on and just all the other captains are all mixing it up all the time. So I've never had two games that were the same. Okay. So it's And that's kind of a downside from being a developer because you can have ten people and they have ten different experiences and that's cool. But because we're not really able to tailor those experiences, they are they can be wildly different. And some people are like, this game's awesome. And some people are like, this game's horrible. But it was just what ended up happening. Because you have your own universe, and it's just your it's what it was. Mm. And that's that's kind of rough in some ways. Yeah, so the the way that this game ends, is it is it kind of like the you know, you run into the zombies and then you have to basically build your your uh, power to the point where you can finally wipe them? It becomes kind of a a, a smallish 4X game. So you actually mm. get your own faction. You you can run it. You set up star bases. You hire. If you played Mountain Blade, you know how this works. Like, you, you get people into your into your faction. You give them their, their star bases. You get more and more power. Eventually, you'll become more powerful than the other, the other cap, the other, or the zombie. Um, what we actually do is we save you from that... Essentially, we have a war meter, and we save you from that grind where 
you know when you know you're going to win a game? Like, you know when you're going to win, Siv. You know when you're going to win a game. Like, you're you're more than 50% of the strength. Yeah, we yeah, then, of course, yeah. We then say, okay, now you can do this big, big battle. Really big battle. And it's quite mm. hard. It's, it's... The, the big battle essentially will make you do in combat everything that we wanted you to learn. So it's quite hard, and, and you know, you've got to be level... Oh, we say you should be, I think, level 32-ish. And if mm-hmm. you try it before that, you're just not going to do it. Um, and then that acts as a gateway to the... So that's a hard fight. And then that acts as a gateway to the story ending. So that will happen in the sandbox, too. And then there's a story ending, which is probably, for the most part, a little bit easier. But it's interesting because it's... go. I'm not going to spoil anything, but it kind of takes you back into what you did throughout the game a bit. Mm-hmm. And you do that, and then, and then you get your game over. But... Um, because of how the game works, once the game is over, we just, you know, clear out the zombies and you can keep playing. You can play as long as you want. Some people have games that they've run for 200 hours now. And that's been a great test. And they're finding weird bugs because, you know, I would fight the zombies and then I'd, you know, play for a few more hours. So yeah, everything's working. But yeah, 200 hours in, it's, you know, the, the world, the galaxy's evolved a lot by then, you know. Mm. Well, what happens years if I, later. what happens if I just start the game? And I never play, and I just let it run like an ant farm. That's been done as well already. So we have one one player who's he because we actually give you a a bubble. That's that's essentially if you never um, you have to do some sandbox mode to see the ant farm happen. But if you never level up past this kind of safety level, which is usually level five, no one's going to attack you. And what the guy did. Was he set the zombies to come right away in the sandbox mode? He set himself to level or set the safety level probably five. Never leveled up and just held down the space bar to make time go. And he's held it down for I don't know how many hours, six, eight hours. And he just saw the, the zombies and he took pictures as it was going of the zombies taking over the galaxy and all the fights and stuff going on. It was quite interesting. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I have a button that allows me to set time to 100 times, so I just I did that in much less time (laughs) to test that it worked. But yeah, developer tools. (laughs) Yeah, the developer cheats. Yeah. So the the first game, because I I haven't got to the end of the first game, like well, the last game that I finished was Half Life Two back when it came out. There's too many games. Um, but the end of the first game, right? Because you've run into the zombies and then you're trying to accumulate enough power to deal with them, right? Um, so a friend of mine that I had gifted the game to, uh, he said, well, he got to that, but he never could quite get over the hump. And so it just seemed like the game was just an endless grind against zombies that he, he couldn't actually, like, get a spike of power enough to to, to just wallop them and get it over with. So he, he got kind of lost in in the end game. Um, is, is that is that kind of a thing, or was he doing it wrong, or, or what? Well, in Spaz 1? Yeah. Yeah. It was, we kind of flipped the game on its head right at the end, so um, it became a territorial control game at the end of the game. So you had to play for maybe, oh, 20 hours to get there, something yeah. like that. Yeah, and that's what he got to. He was, he was just like, the game is a completely different animal all of a sudden. Yeah, it suddenly changed. And we thought that was really cool, but it did really confuse people as well. There were ways to play it. So essentially you had to, um, 
use the bounty hunters to your to your advantage have them you know protecting your space and taking taking out enemy space you had to kind of pinch off um, choke points so you shouldn't you shouldn't actually uh, make a big star base in all of your sectors because it's too expensive. You should find a place where you, you have a few, a few sectors coming into one and then pinch it off. So it became quite a strategic game at the end. It was always doable, but it was never easy. And I think that the number of people who actually finished Spaz 1, the percentage is fairly low. The ones who did it, so Spaz 1 is a weird game. Um, it has, if you look at the graph of players of it, it has... A lot of people who played it for less than an hour who just said, this isn't my thing, which is actually quite common apparently for, for games. Like, no, it's not my thing. And they stopped. And then there's this real long dry spell, like, you know, you know, 1% of people quit after two hours. 1% of people quit after three hours. 1% of people quit after four hours. On and on and on and on and on. And then it goes, cause, you know, Steam shows you these stats. And then there's this 20 hour mark, which is far as they go. And then there's this massive spike again where people are like, okay, yeah, they, they played for 200 hours. They, they like played the absolute heck out of it. Um, so it was one of these ones where they kind of either really liked it or it just never clicked, but there wasn't much in between with the game. It was, it was weird. We don't have that data yet on Spaz 2 where it's sitting, so we don't know. Mm. Okay. So in, in this game though, um, so it, did you ever did you ever play the old arcade game from Williams? It was called Sinistar. I didn't. Okay. No. So because it's kind of a, a Sinistar thing. I, what it, what I would kind of hope that you guys had done, but maybe you haven't. So it's like the zombies are actually out gathering resources, and they're building a giant mechanical Morgan Freeman head, and with like lasers that shoot out of the eyes. And and that's like their doomsday weapon. No. Well, our, our zombies do collect resources. There's that part. <laughs> but they're not building like a giant, like you know, and it, because then it would be like you know, because Morgan Freeman has been God in so many movies <laughs> that that he could then be like, what does God need with a starship? And then you know, laser eyes. Well, maybe at the end <laughs> nice of the game. Star Trek Five reference. Yeah. <laughs> um. He wins. <laughs> it's it's weird. Like the the zombies have their their own kind of little ecosystem that they run. What their job is to do, we have ones that we call roamers and ones that are essentially nesters. And the roamers are the strong ones. The roamers take territory. Uh, it's, I don't know if you call it ant colony or what, but they they kind of stay out there and are always pushing the borders out. And the nesting ones, they're always collecting resources in the areas that they control. And they bring them back to the star bases. And the resources for zombies can be scrap, res, or goons. But because they're zombies and they pretty much live on res, they will convert goons and um, scrap actively into res. They convert everything into res. So they're able to use that to create parts. But they are not um, mentally capable of creating new parts. So they clone parts, which creates, which is kind of interesting for the zombies. Because as a zombie becomes stronger it will essentially breed with any zombie it comes in contact with, and it will breed with bases. They, they kind of cross, cross-pollinate their parts, but only their strongest parts. And then the bases get access to these parts, and then they start cloning these stronger parts. So instead of the zombies, you know, making a new part and then the AI finding this cool new part, what happens is the most, the winning, 
the most winningest zombie has the tends to have the best parts, brings those back to the bases, clones them. Those then go to the other zombies, and they they kind of breed and spread, and and it's it's quite this weird natural system. So they are sort of bringing resources back and using them to grow. They're very kind of hive mindy the zombies. Oh, so it's so it's not like the traditional Romero zombies that shuffle around and want brains. Then so, so they, they have a, they have a central brain. The, the oh, okay, and so. And, yeah. So they they're almost like a like an AI thing, like Borg in a way. Resistance is futile. Yeah. So be, be, do they actually convert ships that they fight into zombies? Like you know, it's like if they bite you, you turn into a zombie, or it's not that kind. Yeah. There's a whole process. So essentially, what happens is um, when you fight a zombie, they have a special weapon which we call the Infector, and the Infector knock it does a lot of damage to shields, but if your shields are down. It will infect your parts and you'll see your parts like live getting this kind of purpley veiny stuff on them. And once your part is infected, once you're like, say you killed the zombie, but you're infected, you're essentially bitten. Now, once your part is infected, think of it like your arm. Oh, I was bitten. Oh no, this is bad. You cut I, it off and put I a chainsaw. Cut it off. Yeah, exactly. Ash. Yeah, I cut it off. <laughs> um, and I, and I, can put that in my inventory and sell it to some poor sucker and get them infected, or I can try and clean it off using a bunch of goons. Um, but you have to then make the choice, what am I going to do? And if you leave that part on your ship, the infection will spread to neighboring parts and spread and spread and spread and spread. Eventually your whole ship will be covered in this goop, and your goons will start to die. And then once all your goons are dead, you will become a zombie. Now, the other option is that if you're infected and another ship kills you, you'll become a zombie. So anytime you're infected and you die, so there's two ways you die. You become infected and you die because someone essentially shot you and you died, and then you become a zombie. Or you're infected and you get really, really, really sick, and you then die and you become a zombie. Or you're infected and you say, oh, no, and you cut off your arm and then you don't become a zombie. So that's how that works. Kind of like Herschel and, uh, um, what was it? Walking, Walking Dead. Dead. Or every yeah. other character. <laughs> they, they cut limbs off frequently in that franchise, but. Well, I mean, specifically, you know, in the show version, at least, like, Herschel's leg gets bit and they cut off his, spoiler alert, you know, cut off his leg to save it, but. Exactly. We have actually, we've actually used that reference, uh, quite a bit while actually designing this mechanic. So did they keep did they keep the leg like it follows him around hopping? <laughs> no, Just clean it with no. some goons. <laughs> it's like it's my pet leg. So <laughs> sell it to some old some other sucker. <laughs> so so when you become a zombie, oh, I think we lost Brian. No, uh, I'm, I'm right there. here. I'm right here. Oh. Can you guys hear me? It's yeah, okay, yes. just just a small EMP attack. That's a weird. <laughs> I, I think I think it might be the paddle I'm using. I think it might not like me. Um, because I was trying to do something with a uh, push to talk. But um, what was I gonna say? Uh, so when you become a zombie, can you like let the game keep running and watch yourself be a zombie? No, no. Damn it! You I want to do that. I want to do that. You you load at that point because you, the game does. You can. Do two things when you die. What you, but not when you die as a zombie. But if you die, um, and want to play like ultra hardcore mode, you can die and lose all your stuff and go back to a starbase and 
you know, start off with junk again. And that's what the AI has to do. But you as the player get the magic of the, the quick load. So you can actually just say, okay, I'm going to load the game and not, not go through that hellish thing. But the AI doesn't get that option. The AI has to restart and take an escape pod back to a, a star base and start up from, from scratch again. Hmm. So maybe, maybe that's your first DLC is the be the zombie mode. It and comes up, it comes up start. often. Yeah. yeah, you start as the zombie faction and have to figure out how to spread. It's almost like pandemic. It would be a big DLC. <laughs> yeah, cuz right yeah. now the the zombies they're they're a completely different animal than the other captains because of how they think. Mm. Like it, it unless you were the zombie They've got a one-track mind, don't they? Well, it, well it just just don't even let the player own a station or anything. It's just you're you're that alpha zombie that's out there collecting the best loot and dragging it back home and, and helping the hive to spread faster. Yeah. Or you could go into the whole, you know, be the, actually be the hive mind, which would make it an RTS at that point. I was going to say, that'd be an amazing RTS. Yeah, that would probably be closer to, and, and, and amazingly probably less work <laughs> to, to be the thing that pokes with how the zombie brain works, because there's a zombie brain that runs that everything is listening to, saying, you're this, you're that, you know, you go here, you can do that. They're actually, we've had to, in a lot of ways, um, cripple the zombies, because if you take all of their restraints away that we've had to put in there, they will absolutely just devastate the galaxy. Just doing what they do. So, like, there are things like we, we had to put in that, you know, a zombie's cannot, if a zombie owns a territory, there can be six zombies per territory or no more because what they can do because of their infection mechanic is simply just suck up everyone who attacks them. They're infecting and people are running out of goons and factions just empty out and they die. And you just see boop, 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 boop. They're just going off off the map and it looks, it's pretty cool, but also really unfun if you're the player. And it's like, okay, I'm all alone and there are two or 199 enemies now, you know. But maybe that's your nightmare mode. It's like yeah. when you beat the campaign, restart in nightmare mode where we unchain the zombies. There might be for sandbox an unchain mode because that it, it's cool, but ultra, ultra difficult. Like if we were to have it that for someone who played it their first time, you can just forget about it. They would just be so upset. Yeah. Well, you know, zo- um, Brian said something about this other game where you, where you were like tethered to another ship. And I had that thought while he, while he was saying that about that would work kind of cool for a co-op thing where, you know, it's just two players and you put them in like a horde mode where zombie ships just keep coming in waves. But the two player ships are actually chained together and then you've got physics, right? So the one guy could even swing the other guy around like a, like a ball on a chain. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it could, uh, it would be an interesting cooperative experience because if, if you wanted to go somewhere, both people had to decide to, to turn that way, right? Or you're, you're trying to drag each other in opposite directions and bad things would happen. Okay. But, and then, and then have friendly fire on too, so you can like bake your buddy's parts off. That <laughs> sounds amazing. Right yeah. <laughs> Anything so. physics-based we quite like because we, we went to a lot of trouble to to keep everything in in the levels completely physics. Um, you know, because I, I have a lot. I have probably better success 
instead of shooting my guns at things, I just like pull a piece off of my ship and whip it at them. Like, because <laughs> you know you can you can use the uh, whatever your tractor beam thing is and actually swing stuff. Yes, and, and I can just yeah, I, I just swing a piece of my ship like a hammer, and <laughs> yeah, it's like this gun doesn't shoot anymore. I'll beat you to death with it. I'm actually glad you figured that out. A lot of people haven't. I haven't it's figured like, that out. That sounds really awesome that you can have can like just, kind of a mace in the game. Yeah, well, you can you can just grab space junk and throw it at people. We and have these. That's right, you can. Exploding barrels in the levels. It took a while, but I was like, oh man, because we used to, or at least I did, I would wait for the trying to lure the AI through the exploding barrels, and it was never quite right. But then I, one day I was like, oh, what if I throw them? And then it's like, oh, it's like the gravity it. gun, but in space. <laughs> yeah, but it, but the fun part of that story is that you wrote the game and then you figured out the game mechanic that you yeah. unwittingly built, which is pretty damn cool. Yeah, it's very cool. I'm I'm kind of out of questions. How about you guys? Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah no, I, I like I like what you guys have done so far. This is good stuff. Thanks. Oh yeah, yeah, we're definitely thrilled that this is finally out and that we can play with it. Cause I remember we had you on about two years ago. It was 2014. I looked and you talked about this, but you couldn't show it to us. But you're talking about like all these captains would be flowing on the map and doing their own thing. And we're all like, ooh, that sounds amazing. <laughs> and you lived up to it. You did it. <laughs> Huzzah, my friends. Huzzah. <laughs> And and we really, <laughs> it, it's like it's a done game, but you guys are gonna spend like another yeah. I don't I've know, not four had years like building this thing. Yeah, I've not had like one crash. I haven't run into. I've, I'm only got. I'm only like maybe four or five hours in, but uh yeah, I haven't had any issues running this game. It feels complete to me, but you six months to a year for God's sakes! Oh my God. Well, at least we can play it now. I know, right? So. That's amazing, and folks. You hey, it's a better be- game than Star Citizen. Oh, yeah. I'm gonna need maybe. Well, I, I would I would like tack on a bunch of other features I'd like, like planetary landings and stuff. But oh. what about what about since you're a pirate, right? You could you could get the whole pirate thing through to people. Like if you could go to planets and then you would talk to the governor and he'd give you a letter of mark and then you could go uh. out pirate and then <laughs> you'd have like a boarding action where you'd have like a little. Uh, sword fight with the other captain. Oh, oh god, yeah. that requires character models and stuff. <laughs> he's, re- he's referring to the. Well, we need to start. We need, we need yeah. you guys to start feature creeping this game now, please. If you oh could. right, yeah. yeah. In in fact, you could just steal the Sid Mirror pirate models out and just like color them funny or something, <laughs> and then no one Let's will make make well, no. Just like take strong, just, yeah. just <laughs> take the Treasure Planet models. That's even better. That's that's much more accurate. And take the Treasure Planet models. And just make those into pirate ships. Na- name one of your AI pilots Threepwood, and oh. you know, just go for it. <laughs> this guy's just asking to be sued left and right with all this yeah. stuff. I'm sure none of these people have a problem with us taking this. <laughs> <laughs> no, just call him Guy Comb Threepwood. It's that guy brush, you know. Oh yeah. Sorry. Hey, you know Sorry. what? You know what you call a hundred rabbits walking backwards? What? Seating hairline. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I love jokes like that. I'm not gonna lie. That's very dead jokey of you. Very dead. Jokey. Oh right. Very dead jokey. 
Okay, well, I think we're about to wrap this up. Um, so, uh, gentlemen, I want to thank you for taking the time out of your, it sounds like, very busy lives <laughs> to uh, to talk to us about this game that's finally out. Thank God. Oh, thank you. And, thank you very much. Oh, it, it, it's a pleasure to finally play it and a pleasure to have you back. I guess we'll have to have you back on in six months to a year when it finally hits 1.0. <laughs> for sure. But, uh, folks, if, if you haven't figured it out already, the game is Space Pirates and Zombies 2. It is on Steam for some amount that I can't remember. Some monetary. It's 1999. Yeah, it's, it's worth 1999 because you get this massive map with all this crap going on. You could just, you, you, and there's all this stuff to do and it's beautiful. It's fluid. The combat is visceral. It's just, it's just great. You guys. I'm really tired, so I'm kind of sounding kind of loopy right now. It's all good. <laughs> but uh, it's just great, you guys. So next week on the podcast, just a couple last things. Next week, we're bringing back another returning guest, our first ever guest, Mike Giuliano, who is making a game called Rogue System, which is basically going to be the Falcon 4.0, 4.0 of Space Sims. He was our very first guest in podcast number three. Remember that, If Jeff? I start... If I start mapping my controls now, you'll be done. You'll be done, done time. by the time Maybe. he's on. Maybe you'll be done in time. There's a, there's some buttons that are involved. Did in you that did game. you get that extra that extra quadrant from CH Products? You know the civilian one with all the like well the flips. You know I thought stuff. about you know, I thought about that, but I think I might need a second keyboard. I'm not sure. Yeah, maybe you may one of those. Maybe two. Now get 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 two of those split keyboards. You know? Or get like an like a couple of orb weavers from like Razor, yeah. you know. Oh, just, uh, I, I got it, dude. I got an F an X fifty six, right? So I got what like ten toggle switches, four or five knobs it's not on enough. here. It's not, it's, enough. Has, it's not enough. Not enough. No, you need more I'm, than that. You need. You know, oh, get maybe like three or four tablets with a bunch of touch, you know, control. Oh at, yeah. At some point, at some point, I will just hire somebody to play the game for me. <laughs> The tutorial, the first tutorial just to tell you how to turn the ship on, basically, is like half an hour. I'm not even making this up. Yeah, if if you've ever watched, um, like, I played DCS Black Shark and the A10 game, but Black Shark in particular because the entire cockpit was in Cyrillic and I read no (laughs) Russian. And, uh, And it's like, okay, do the startup sequence in the helicopter. And I worked on Apaches in the Army, and I used to go in there and flip all the breakers and, you know, get things ready to run, right? That's like the pre-flight stuff, and then the pilots come out. And, yeah, I'm sitting there, and I'm trying to do this thing in the sim, and it is the same damn workload that you would have if you were sitting there, like, with the book on your knee. Like, okay, now flip Mux to position three. <laughs> you know, yeah. you got to find that yeah. knob. And yeah, so uh, so Mike Giuliano has figured out how to take that incredible burden and put it on us in space. Yeah, and it's gonna. Have, I love him. It's gonna have dynamic campaigns, story missions. It's eventually gonna have an open universe privateer type thing. First person ship boarding is all planned. So he was our he was our first guest in podcast number three. Uh, we were supposed to have Chris Roberts, but he had to reschedule. So Mike came on. And it was great. So we're going to have yeah, him back. Yeah, it worked out for the best that it, way. It really did. So uh, we're going to have him back on, I think, for the third time uh, next week. Uh, so that's going to be very exciting. And right now, folks, if you want to vote in the poll, uh, right now Space Empires 4 
is winning the poll. Uh, if you want to see what I play on Thursday night, that's at SpaceGameJunkie.com. And finally, the, these good these good fellows here at MinMax Games gave me a few keys uh, for this game. So I'm going to be doing a giveaway for this game uh, that goes along with when the actual like MP3 of the podcast goes live. So stay tuned for oh that. My. Yeah. So I've got three keys for oh that my. giveaway. Oh man, we're we're doing a giveaway. And it's E3 week. Get hype. <laughs> you feel it? Do you feel the it, E3 hitting you? If you guys have, yeah. Uh, if, like, it's like a bag of dicks. If you haven't, if you haven't been to E3, that's basically the whole show floor is that. Just, you're just, you're assaulted with this terrible music the whole time. Oh god. It's terrible. The, the one that I went to, right, they had a boxing game. So they had an actual boxing ring. I remember court, that. And they had the music blasting and shit. And I'm standing over there that. and I'm, and right on the other side of it was Mech Commander too. And I'm standing there trying to talk to Mitch Gittleman about Mech Commander. <laughs> and, yeah, nope. and it's like nope. Rocky is happening on the other side. So that's, that's how I ended up actually like back in the private office talking to those guys. And, oh, cause yeah, they couldn't, yeah. you can't hear crap on the show floor. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, the E3 is about, to, I think the show itself is about to start, but all the big stuff's already happened, so what? Yeah, they've had a, they've had the big press conferences yeah. already. Yeah, it's, it's like it's over already. I know, it feels like, like that, there, there's, it? there's nothing to do but go down to Kenzie They're calling it B3 now. FC. Like before E3, that's the hashtag is BE3. Right, like I said, it's like the Super Bowl, man. Like everything happens before it happens. Yeah. Dude, like, dude, the magic happens in Kentia Hall. That's oh no, was. I agree. I, I agree. That's where all the wonderful you, you indie see the stuff weirdest was. shit. Yeah, it it was like they they had like people with like uh, mind controllers down there. Oh, and my stuff. favorite it, was it, my favorite was the bicycle treadmill thing that actually pushed you on racing games, so you would you would accelerate while you're pedaling a bicycle in a race. Oh yeah, yeah, shit like that. It's great. Uh, yep. You know that crazy. that is actually a thing for Oculus. Right. Oh, I know. Be, like yeah. you have your home exercise bike and you go on that and then you could just have anything like you're pedaling through space. Oh, no, I want the Skyrim one where the, you have the like the treadmill type thing where it can go in any direction, you know, like it's a it's a it's a. Oh, the um, the Omni track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so someone did that with Skyrim where you run around. So you're running in Skyrim. I want that. That's what I want. Yeah. You know, when that Omni track thing comes out, that's when you're going to find out that gamers really like to be on the couch. <laughs> you know, it's just like, it's like, yeah, I got a Wii, but it was like too much effort to stand up and swing that thing around. So I got an Xbox and now I'm on the couch. You want to talk about like, you know, losing weight though. <laughs> yeah, man, like one, one map of Call of Duty and I would probably like drop 50 pounds right there. It would, it would just like running around or you, you would. Cause you have to, if you, cause if you yeah. actually have to run across the map, everybody's camping. It'd be sniper <laughs> yeah. or as you can see. Yeah, people people are walking into the room and stuff, running. Then <laughs> they're doing they're, they're they're totally out of breath, so you can see them receding over in the game. Just, uh, yeah, they're, they're, <laughs> they're doubled yeah, all over. the avatars. All the avatars are like slightly <laughs> bent over, like out of breath. Just we just heaving, just. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> That's where gaming is going, my friends. Anyway, yep. uh, anyway, thank you for listening, everyone. Andrew and Richard and. Cl- and Richard, I got your last name wrong last time. I apologize. That's okay. Don't worry oh, yeah. about it. It happens all forgot, the time. It's Clifford. <laughs> forgot to ask. Clifford. Are you guys gonna, are you guys gonna have Oculus and Vive support oh, on this? <laughs> uh, 
We don't know. <laughs> did I just, it's did I just knock it back? Most non-committal, <laughs> we had no fucking idea. Why? It's, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's Unity. There should be like a button that you hit. And it's like, VR mode. You know, oh, it's like that's it. Windows, Mac, Unity. It's like a gadget VR mode. It's the same as the multiplayer button. It, it, it seems like a magic button, but it isn't. It's, like, it's, it's a hard button to push. you got to push really hard. Just put the bullet point on the box. It's just like the make the game button. Just click. Yeah. Oh, a game. Just change that bull from is broken to true. Oh, know, yeah. Did you just make this a RPG maker? Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> okay, I gotta go. I can't. I can't control it anymore. Okay. Good night, hey, everyone. What, what about? Uh, what about? Wait. What, what about? Sh- Let's have some music in here, Boiler. Sure thing. Uh.